You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. We get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. We've done a couple of NBA episodes this week. We did one with Brian, Brian Getzeiler, and that was on the NBA in general. Obviously got into the Anthony Davis situation, and then Chris and I hit the Anthony Davis situation as it relates to the Heat. Want to switch to NFL, though? We got the Super Bowl coming up, and obviously for Dolphin fans, what's more interesting to them than watching the Patriots in the Super Bowl again is the fact that there's probably going to be a coach announcement here officially, I would guess, on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week with Brian Flores getting the job as soon as he's done calling plays in the Super Bowl for the hated Patriots. Today, we're going to go to Benjamin Albright. You can find him at Albright NFL. That's two L's. On Twitter, he's kind of become the sultan of snark on Twitter. In terms of NFL. <laughs> Some of the tweets have been making the rounds this week. You can find him there on Twitter. Ben, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Do you object to the, uh, to the snark uh, label? Uh, no, it certainly beats the, uh, the other nicknames they give me, which is uh, Hey You A-Hole. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw a few of those that you mentioned uh, over the past couple of days, but we're going to bounce around. Obviously, we're going to focus a little bit on the Dolphins, but Benjamin's based out in Denver. And I want to start here because one of the things that's come up the past week is we're talking about if the Dolphins could maybe move up and try to take a quarterback and expedite this process by one year is that there is a quarterback out there uh, in Drew Locke that, that is interesting to some Dolphin fans, but it feels like he's already targeted, at least by some in social media, to Denver. What is the talk out there and what do you think of him as a prospect? Yeah, I um yeah, I tweeted about that back in, in December. The Broncos have kind of had their eye on lock. It's not like a done deal or anything, but they're definitely enamored with him. They've been heavily scouting him and, and been out to his games a few times and you know they want to know everything about him to know he is one of their targets. Um I don't know if they're gonna have to move up to get him. I know he won't get past ten if he's there. They'll have some competition. Uh, there are other there are other teams that are in the market for a quarterback around that, that area. I don't know that he's a target of the Dolphins. I, I didn't really see them speaking to him much at the senior bowl. I haven't really heard much on that front. I know the Dolphins are looking at quarterbacks. I know they're, you know, they're, they're kind of looking at moving Tannehill to Cincinnati. But, you know, as far as the other stuff goes, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's one of their targets. I just know that, that he's, you know, he's kind of in the mix at the top there. Haskins is in the mix at the top there. There are a few, a handful of teams that are interested in Kyler Murray. Miami might be one of them, you know. But as far as this stuff goes, I mean, everybody's just doing their due diligence right now. But the, the, the Broncos are very interested. How would you uh, rank the guys in the draft right now? Because I feel like there isn't a great deal of consensus about how those guys project right now and I feel like you're going to see a bunch of teams that are talking themselves into guys because it's the premium position but I don't know if there's a great deal of conviction about which guys are actually best so how, how do you feel about them right now well this is a very bad class uh, I would suggest there are two guys in this class that I would consider as in the starter tier 
you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes, I, I don't, I haven't really done final grades. Obviously, we haven't seen the combine stuff. I haven't finished out, you know, some tape work on some guys. But I would suggest that there's two guys in the starter tier, and that's Haskins and Locke. You know, there's some guys that are in the um, maybe career journeyman, career backup spot start tier, maybe right on the borderline, guys like uh, Daniel Jones. And then most of these guys are, are, are career backups, things like that, guys like Will Greer, you know, guys like that. So Kyler Murray's a guy I think is ultimately going to choose baseball because if he's not taken in the first 15 to 18 picks, the money is better uh, even on the first contract in baseball, much less down the line in baseball where it would be significantly better. And so if you're, a, if you're a team, you know, and you're a general manager, are you going to push all your chips to the table, to the center of the table for a guy who's 5'8", 185 pounds, and has better monetary options in baseball? I mean, that's going to get you fired. You're never going to get another shot. I agree with you on all of that stuff as far as obviously the height, the baseball factor. But haven't been, haven't we seen over the past few years that the teams do talk themselves in? Like, I, I can't remember the last guy, I guess – You'd have to go back to Aaron Rodgers, who fell, you know, further than people expected because of some of these concerns. It feels like everybody gets drafted up. Okay, I would say Lamar Jackson kind of fits that bill, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, Lamar, Lamar Jackson did. I think the only thing with Lamar Jackson was there were, what, four other quarterbacks in the class, right? So, I mean, that, that were considered legitimate top 15 picks. But, I mean, you go back to, I mean, E.J. Manuel was overdrafted. Christian Ponder was overdrafted, right? I mean, it seems like every year there's a guy or two who's overdrafted. It seems like the... If there's going to be a move one way or the other, it's going to be for a guy to be drafted 10 spots earlier than we expected rather than 10 to 15 spots afterwards. You don't think that there's one general manager out there who might talk themselves into, okay, we bring in Kyler Murray. It's going to bring excitement. I mean, one of the things that our Dolphins analysts down here have said is, okay, so if you draft Kyler Murray in the first round, what's the worst that happens to you as the Dolphins, right? Because, I mean, the Dolphins have blown a ton of picks at other positions anyway. Worst case scenario, you turn it over to Kyler Murray, he's terrible, you tank, you get Tua or Fromm or one of the other guys the next year. I mean, can you see one team talking themselves into him? Well, nobody's going to do that, though. Nobody's going to draft a guy in the first round and then cut bait on him and then go to another guy in the first round the next year. I mean, that's just not going to happen doesn't happen um they'll, they'll give him two to three years because that's that's the developmental cycle for a first round quarterback if you develop if you draft a guy in the first round you believe in him to be the guy as far as guys falling I, I think that there's a bit of a misnomer there because guys don't really quote unquote fall um there's a media expectation on where a guy might go and then if you know, if the player doesn't get there, that just means that the league was lower on the guy than the media and fans were. But, you know, I mean, we see guys go lower than than the media projects all the time. Um, I think media just sees an exciting player and, and, you know, they glom onto that. They don't really say, okay, you know, who is this guy? Do his traits translate? You know, how, how is he as a person? Those kinds of things. And, you know, if you look at Kyler Murray, his frame, he's pretty yoked up. He's maxed out for his frame. I mean, he's pretty muscled up for, for the, the weight that he is and the size that he is. You know, and, and so, I mean, when you start to look at these things, you got a guy who's not a pro concepts guy, who's got a thin frame, he's short. Um, he's got more money in baseball. His dad is kind of a helicopter dad and his, you know, has had issues before his dad was actually sued by a major league baseball team for backing out of a contract. Uh, you know, there's, there's other things in play here that, that the average fan doesn't consider when they look at this. And I'm not saying somebody won't talk themselves into Kyler Murray. I'm just suggesting that it's presumptuous to assume that they will. 
I wanted to ask you a few Dolphins related questions. Not, uh, not obviously concerned with the draft. Um, obviously, they're they're about to hire Brian Flores, uh, who's the defensive play caller. Can't call him defensive coordinator of the Patriots right now. Uh, I guess in in looking at the NFL and looking at all the different Belichick guys that have gone elsewhere, I think this is probably the biggest concern because I think in the last week, in the last couple of weeks, people have gotten to know Brian Flores' story, and he seems like like a really nice guy and someone who's you know come through the Patriots pipeline and doesn't seem to have all of that you know arrogance baggage that some of the other Patriots guys have come with but it's just it hasn't worked before and as the league is going in a direction of offensive coaches the Dolphins are going in another direction uh, what do you make of, of Flores as a hire and what do you make of the failure of Belichick assistance previously well Bill Belichick is so detail oriented that these other guys that come off his tree that aren't tend to lose something in the wash there they tend to think that all the things that worked for Bill are going to work if they aren't as detail oriented I've sat through some of that I've seen Josh McDaniels and that ego you know before uh, and we, we've seen it around the league several times whether it was Weiss, Cronell, uh, uh, McDaniels, Mangini, uh, you know, Matt Patricia doesn't appear to be doing all that great. Bill O'Brien only stumbled into Deshaun Watson and started winning. Uh, so, you know, we can go on and on all day about these guys. Um, and I don't know that Flores is or isn't going to be the one that breaks the mold. I like him as a person. He's a very smart guy. He's a very uh, kind of old school, hard charging coach in his attitude. And I like that. Um, I do think it's, you know, it's interesting that they went defense. I think that's kind of the, what you have to do, though. If you've had an offensive guy in there a few years, you probably need a defensive guy in to revamp and hope that he gets the right offensive coordinator who isn't a conservative lineup in the eye and try to run power all the time kind of guy, which, you know, uh, O'Shea won't be. O'Shea is that, you know, Earhart Perkins are going to want to, you know, spread it out and sling it around a little bit. So uh, you'll be fine there. But, you know, I, I like him as a person. I've met him several times. I think he's going to be a good coach. Whether that translates to wins or not will remain to be seen. One of the guys that was on the Dolphins list originally and then kind of got wiped off uh we were a little surprised about it then all of a sudden he was the broncos coach was vic fangio um was that it was that any bit of a surprise that he ended up uh, getting the job it didn't seem like a particularly long search in denver and, and what kind of a coach because i think dolphin fans are always going to have this question now because he was a guy that a lot of people down here were interested in uh, what kind of a coach do you think he'll be well you know he's an old school throwback uh, defensive coach, hard-charging guy. I think that the, the real coup of the Broncos hires was the fact that they got Mike Munchak to be the O-line guy and Rick Scandarello to be the O.C. Uh, I think those are the two good hires. Vic Fangio, I, I'm concerned about that. You know, Vic's a, a decent defensive coordinator, but if you look, historically, his defense is the bottoms fall out in year three and four, like badly, uh, in, in year three or four of his tenure. And so, um, you know, I think that I'm a little concerned about that. The track record for head coaches that get their first gig when they're over 60 is abysmal. Uh, even with Bruce Arians, the only one to ever have a winning record and do that, it added in the winning percentage is 24%. That is astoundingly terrible. Uh, and so I'm, I'm worried that this is another Dick LeBeau as head coach kind of situation. You know, but I, I guess that remains to be seen. We'll see how it works out. You know, the Broncos have plenty of personnel. They need to narrow down the quarterback thing, fix a little bit on the offensive line and, and the inside linebackers. But they've got they've got a pretty decent roster, actually. Getting back to the Dolphins here and the quarterback situation, you mentioned, obviously, how they, they might not be drafting high enough to get some of the more preferable guys uh, in the draft. Uh, it seems pretty clearly like they're moving on from Tannehill. Um, what would you do if you just had sort of a blank slate at quarterback right now, as the Dolphins do? And, you know, they have the 13th pick. They have, you know, the ability to trade their guy and go, after anyone in free agency if you're going into next year and let's say your object was to win games which we don't necessarily know necessarily know that's what the Dolphins are going to do if you just had a blank slated quarterback right now what would you do this is gonna it's probably gonna disappoint fans but I would view next year as a roster assessment and rebuild year Uh, I would bring in a veteran that you can get on the cheap probably Ryan Fitzpatrick 
you know, that can make some plays, but probably isn't going to drag you to the playoffs and bring him in. Uh, and then what I would do is I would use that pick on the best player available. And then we would approach next year with a deep quarterback class um, and our first round pick then uh, and, and looking to see what's going on. Might even trade the first round pick away this year just to double up next year to make sure we're, we're uh, you know, we're headed the right direction and able to get our guy next season. Unless they feel like some guy this year is their guy. If they feel like Kyler Murray or one of those guys is their guy, then, then go up and get him. But the way I'm looking at it is you, you, you bring in this coach. He's brand new. You're going to commit to him for two to three seasons minimum. Uh, so let him have that first year to evaluate the talent and, and that kind of thing. Don't saddle him with somebody just to be saddling him with it. Make sure it's the guy. So if you believe it's the guy, draft him. If you don't, draft the best player available or trade the pick away for a first rounder next year. And then turn around and bring in a veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick that you can get at negligible cost, uh, who's going to keep you competitive in games, but you know probably is the guy. And then you go from there. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Ben, because I actually think most Dolphin fans would be okay with that. I, after the initial sticker shock of, you know, we're bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I think the overall <laughs> – At least those the, games would be fun, man. <laughs> well, they would. I mean, <laughs> I mentioned that name too. No, right. No, it, it, it's an interesting name. I mean, we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are out there. I'm not on board with the go after Nick Foles because I, I don't think – I think that gets you to 7-9, and 8-8, nine, eight and eight, and I don't really see the point of that. I, I think most Dolphin fans – kind of get it at this point that I you know it's a little weird that the Dolphins are putting it out through certain reporters that they're tanking but I, I think that you know most Dolphin fans understand they need at the very least a reset I guess when it comes down to the quarterback position one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because you're close to the Denver situation and just to sort of illustrate the point of how hard it is to find a quarterback I mean you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who runs the franchise out here. We've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who's now consulting on quarterbacks down here in Miami. And yet, John Elway hasn't gotten the quarterback thing right lately. Why? What, what, what has been the issue out there? Because I think it is instructive when we see how the Dolphins are trying to do this. Well, it's, it's a couple of different things. One, it's very difficult to evaluate quarterbacks. You know, if it were easy to do, everybody would just do it. Everybody would have a great one. Uh, so that's step one. Step two is John Elway and, and, you know, great players tend to default to analyzing the traits that made them successful in the league. And they try to look for that in other people. And, and maybe those traits that John had aren't the whole package. You know, maybe there's a mental component some of these guys are lacking. But you see John Elway trying to draft himself over and over again over the years, whether that's Brock Osweiler or Zach Dysart or Paxton Lynch. Um, similar to how you saw Gary Kubiak and his input attempt to draft himself over and over again, whether that was bringing in Case Keenum or drafting uh, Trevor Simeon, guys that remind him that were smart but maybe tools limited, it reminded him of him. And so I think that's kind of what it is, is that guys tend to – uh, have biases especially if they played that position about what worked for them and feel like that that will work for the quarterbacks that they need uh, and the other part of that is the Broncos haven't been in a position to draft guys that um, that would be the guy you know they brought in Peyton Manning by a free agency Brock Osweiler was uh, was not a day one pick Paxton Lynch they traded up he was the third quarterback taken late in the first round and those those picks tend not to work out if you don't get a quarterback of the first five picks they tend not to work out overall we can we can cherry pick examples and, and trot Tom Brady out there or Russ Wilson or whatever but the reality is most of the time if you don't get a quarterback in those first few picks they're not going to pan out it's because they've been they've been scouted by everybody and, and everybody looks and sees their deficiencies and knows they're not the guy uh, so you know I think that it's it's a combination of things it's it's you know the eye for talent the the internal biases the opportunity and then you know just making the wrong pick on the wrong guys we'll get back to today's episode of the five reasons podcast in a second but first I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors and that is Doral Toyota 
Throughout Toyota, we can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. I've been there before. It is a fantastic location. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305 305- 680-1129 or come in the dealership. You will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. Go back to our episode one. Introduce you to another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Berlitz Brower. This is the best place to learn a language in South Florida. I can speak to it personally. My daughter already fluent in English and Spanish. We decided to introduce her to Mandarin. She's not even five years old, and she's already out speaking Mandarin, knows all of the numbers up to 100, and she loves it. She loves to go back because the way that they work with her, the way that they teach her, and they also work with me as a parent with her schedule to make sure that it fits in with everything else she's doing. You can also learn languages as an adult. They teach many different languages there. Again, English, Spanish, Mandarin, Italian, German, right across the board. They teach virtually every language that you can possibly name. Here's the number that you call, 954-743-0077. That's 954-743-0077. Mention that Five Reasons sent you. They'll take care of you. Never too early to learn a new language. Would you say, as as we see... Ozzie Newsom depart as uh, as you know front office guy in charge of the Ravens, and you don't really see that pipeline of former players, or particularly former great players, getting into that kind of work. Would you guess that that would be the chief reason why? Is that they, there are certain blind spots and certain things you don't understand being a great player about being a not great player that lead to uh, those guys may, maybe not necessarily working in charge of organizations. I think so. I, I think that a lot of times the, the all time greats don't recognize just how far ahead they were with their preparation practice and, and, you know, an intellect than some of the other guys. And so they just assume that everybody has that. And so they go out and try to identify physical traits and they're lacking the mental component. And I, I would, again, voice to Paxton Lynch as an example here, a guy who had all the physical tools in the world, uh, but was not a very bright guy. And his sole purpose or his, uh, his, the sole thing that he wanted to do was make enough money so he can sit at home and play video games all day. Yeah. And that, that didn't work out very well. I want to transition to the Super Bowl here with you a little bit. Uh, I think you share an annoyance uh, with me. How exactly has Tom Brady repositioned himself as the underdog over the past, uh, <laughs> over the past few weeks? I, I don't really yeah, I mean, in Miami, this is particularly irritating considering they've won the division 17 out of the past 18 years. I, how, how is that this happening, and how are people allowing him to get away with this? Well, you've got, you know, Boston's Tool Sports fan blog. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out there that, that pumps this narrative up, but it, it's stupid. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody doubted the Patriots. The Patriots were a preseason favorite. This is the third straight year in the Super Bowl. And the idea that they're an underdog is, is akin to saying that Walmart is a mom and pop up and coming company. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
can't you can't go to the Super Bowl three years in a row and pretend you're the underdog, pretend nobody respects you. It's just stupid. So they're lying to themselves in an effort to try to gin up some motivation and stuff like that because you have some of these gas bags on first take and stuff like that talking about uh, trying to be the first one to, to claim the downfall of Brady, which which is stupid. Uh, when, when Brady finally is washed, we'll all know it. We don't need screaming A. Smith on on the TV telling us that's what's happening. Right. I, I think, and I think a lot of people have tried to you know be on that corner for five years now. So I mean, I get like a certain sense of like if you're Brady, you're 41 years old, and people are constantly telling you you can't keep doing this. So I get it, but I, like I just sort of find relentlessly unnecessary the idea of a Patriots team, particularly one that likes to tell everyone, oh, we don't read, we we don't read anything, we don't react to anything. You know, we, we're just about doing our jobs and 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 sort of trying to be the we're above it all organization then then kind of spinning it off into this narrative I just don't understand what they're trying to accomplish with it I, I it's a motivation thing I guess but like I just find boring the idea that athletes need motivation to play in the freaking Super Bowl well and that's what I was kind of getting at the other day is it's absolutely if you need that kind of if you need to trick yourself into that kind of motivation then then you're weak mentally to begin with because you've tricked yourself with a fake narrative you know to be false to begin with so, you know, I, I think that that's I think that's ludicrous. You either want the win and you're going to get up and win, or or you don't. And you know, if you need to use fake, you know, little little motivational gadgets to try to to try to get yourself motivated, that that just makes you that just proves that you're weak mentally. So, what do you think as far as the future for the two of them? Because I I feel like with the Patriots, this goes back again 18, 19 years, and a lot of the names have faded. Chris and I were talking the other day about how I, I think people identified more with sort of the other Patriots early on in this cycle, like you know the Ty Laws and the Lawyer Malloys and the Teddy Bruskies and Willie McGinnis and maybe some of the players, because they've shuffled through so many guys. It seems like everybody's replaceable over the past 10 years. So it does become about Brady and Belichick and that's sort of, okay, and then Gronk to a lesser extent. But with Brady and Belichick, how long do you think the two of them will do it? Do you put any credence into the idea that if they win – if they, you know, if they if they win this one after after losing the last one against Philadelphia, that this will be it for them. You know, I don't think so. Um, Tom Brady's playing for legacy at this point. He may not tell you that he's in it for the stats, but he wants to own all of Peyton Manning's passing records, uh, and Drew, and Drew Brees' passing records as well. And so that's why he's trying to trying to continue the longevity is because he wants those desperately wants those, and he won't he won't admit that publicly, but that's the reason he's still going. You know, as far as that goes, and he will try to go to get those. You know, as far as them being on their, their their last legs, Belichick will outlast Brady as far as you know coaching and all that kind of stuff goes. And if he, if that means he has to leave New England, he'll he'll have is no shortage of suitors anywhere else to you know to bring him in and, and, and be the guy. So um, I, I think Belichick would would relish the opportunity to prove that he could do it without Brady. You know, as well, cementing his legacy all time. These guys are football historians, and legacy matters to them. Uh, and I think that that's something that the average fan kind of kind of loses or doesn't understand. Or there's a disconnect there. Is that the, just how much that matters? How much your name in the history books like that matters to these guys? That's football immortality for people who spent their entire life in that particular field. So, you know, I don't think that there, this would be it for either of them at all. I mean, that reminds me a little bit. I covered LeBron for a while, you know, every day, and. LeBron and Brady have a lot of similarities in that regard uh, where they don't want to admit that it's about legacy and then it is. Uh, there's a story I always tell here on the podcast where LeBron called me over in the locker room to show me a meme and the meme was of how much ticket prices went up when Kobe Bryant visited your arena as opposed to when he visited your arena and he's looking at the meme and laughing because his was twice as much and I, these guys, they, they all do that um, whether it's LeBron versus Jordan or Brady uh, versus Manning. And I want to ask you about that specifically, because you were around Peyton out there, uh, you know, for, for the end, basically, for him. 
what what in your view was that rivalry relationship actually like between the two of them? I mean, there was a mutual respect as far as that kind of stuff goes. But, you know, Peyton Manning wanted to be the guy. He wanted to put his name on, you know, all those records and go out and be, and be the guy. And, and, you know, for a brief moment, he had them. Uh, Drew Brees, of course, came right through and, and obliterating this this stuff. But, you know, for a minute there, he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the guy to have all the records and do all that kind of stuff and have that immortality and everything else. It's a, it's that desire for greatness, you know. And and what better way to achieve greatness than to put your name on every passing mark of all time ever. So, you know, he's he, he, there's there is some of that. It's not a... It's not an arrogance. It's more of a pride and accomplishment. And that goes the same way for Brady or, or, or Breeze or whomever else. But um, there is, there's ego to it, but ego doesn't necessarily mean arrogance. It's more of a pride and accomplishment. I heard an interesting point uh, today uh, listening to the, the author, Chuck Klosterman, uh, positing a theory that Tony Romo has more pressure on him this Sunday than Tom Brady does uh, because, you know, Tony Romo has kind of set these high expectations for himself. Whereas, I mean, realistically, it is kind of a little bit lacking in drama, the idea of the Patriots of the Patriots in the Super Bowl because there really is no narrative um, I guess downside to them losing right if they lose if you're a Patriots fan you're probably over it by the morning whereas you know it, I'm, I'm a Dolph, I'm a Dolphins fan I've seen one playoff win my whole life if they ever made the Super Bowl and they lost I think I don't know I'd be able to function for a week whereas I mean Patriots fans like okay this is your ninth and if you win your sixth Cool, I guess, but after twenty-eight to three, uh, you know, after winning five, there really is kind of nothing on the line for them. I, am I am I wrong? Obviously, another Super Bowl, you know, if you only further cements it, but that legacy might already be cemented. Even if they lost, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Oh, I, th- I still think it would be somewhat of a of a deal. I think they'll be more even more insufferable if they win, which you know <laughs> is what it is. But um, I, you know. I think I don't think Tony Romo has that much pressure on him either. I, I think that what you know the average fan doesn't realize what he's doing is is actually very simple. And most most guys who played the game can tell you what the what the team is about to do in terms of their lineup and how the box is stacked and everything else. Especially if they've studied the you know the tape of what that team likes to run. Um, I, I did a little demo on Periscope where I, you know I called out seven or eight plays out of, out of a game uh, in a row just to kind of show you you know that it's it's not all that magical to do. But fans announcers have not been have not been doing it. So for fans, it's magical. And new and and i think it's fun you know i think it's fun and engaging engages the fan base in a different way uh, but i don't think there's that much pressure on romo what he does is not is not terribly difficult if you play the game um you, you'll be wrong sometimes but but overall it's it's fun to watch now uh, as far as the, the the other guys go you know i i the, the narrative for me is is interesting because the, the patriots dynasty started against the Rams and is this going to be the one where it ends also against the Rams there's kind of a symmetry to it if uh, if, if the Rams were to win I want to introduce you to another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network and that is brunt insurance where you can get all of your protection under one roof they offer home auto commercial and life insurance they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida that's Pensacola all the way down to the keys they've got multiple carriers for all the product lines to ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your area. I can speak to this personally because I reached out to Greg Brunt. He told me, he said, send me all of your insurance policies. So I sent him life. I sent him auto. I sent him condo. I sent him house. He looked at all of them and he says, this one you're doing okay. Let's leave this one alone. On two of the policies though, he saved me more than $700 and that's just for this six month term. So Greg can look at all your policies. He can find the right insurance company that will work for you, the right carrier, and he will get it done for you quickly and you'll get your money quickly. Also, he's a proud sponsor of the Home for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, 
and healthcare professionals takes that very seriously. Call Greg at 954-589-2204. That's 954-589-2204 or go to bruntinsurance.com. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there we go. So that's what I wanted wanted to get get at. That's where we're going with it. Did you Mm -hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. (laughs) How did hands and all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered remember all that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. You're right that a lot of announcers could do it, but the the deal is they don't. Like I, Troy Aikman has never told me what's going to happen before a play ever. I mean, how how long has he been doing this? Like twelve years? I, I'm not so well, so way it's, longer I, than that. Yeah, yeah. A lot, I mean, right? Sims was never able to do it. Dan Fouts doesn't do it. I, I guess you know my surprise is that all of these guys haven't been better. Uh, as much as I enjoy Tony, it's it's like when you watch somebody else now, you're like, are they actually even there? Um, you mentioned insufferable when it comes to the Patriots. Is this the most insufferable sports dynasty of all time? <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know how the Boston Lakers, uh, the Celtics Lakers fans were back in the day, or maybe UCLA fans were back in the day. It's it's the most insufferable in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, it's more yeah. insufferable. I pulled this on Five Reasons Sports today. I mean, the Warriors, the current Warriors versus the Patriots, because the only one I can think of. And the Warriors aren't insufferable so much because of their fans. It's more so because, you know, they go out and add all NBA players, you know, after they win the 73 games. Uh, <laughs> but it was like it, it was like 83% to 17% in favor of the Patriots. I, do you think it's been good for NFL business that they've been this good for this long? Is it good to have a team to shoot for? Or when a league that's always going for parity, seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl every year, kind of becomes blasé well the nfl doesn't actually want parity they want the illusion of parity they want the illusion that everyone has a chance um, because then that keeps you invested the reality is having a goliath like the patriots is great for business because everybody's shooting for that they're not focused on the fact that uh, uh, perennial sad sacks like the jacksonville jaguars or the buffalo bills or anything like that are going decades in between playoffs or you know the bumbling raiders as, as they were in the early 2000s after uh, after gruden and gannon uh, so you know i i think that Having a having four or five teams that are great, fifteen to twenty teams that are that are middle of the road, and then you know another couple of bad teams after that, I, I think is is good for the league. I think that's the way the league is. They just you know if you have a Goliath, it takes your eye off of uh, the guys who aren't good enough to be David. I totally agree with you. I, I to me the the idea of the Patriots being uh, something to aim for is, I, and frankly, it's still something. As much as like I still say that there's nothing you know for them to lose, I'm still going to watch on Sunday with the primary function of it being the Rams being the embodiment of me wanting the Patriots to lose. I become a Rams fan for a day because I just, I can't stand to see that team win anymore. And I feel like, I mean, how many Super Bowls has this happened now? It frankly ruins the Super Bowl for me because I spend most of it not enjoying it, at least half of it not enjoying it uh, whenever the Patriots do anything good. But I mean, still, as much as people say they are tired of it, just as they might say they're tired of any franchise, they're always going to tune in, you know, when the Yankees are in the world, in the world 
series to at least root for or root against. Rooting against is still a very strong feeling, even if what you're rooting against is ultimately, you know, the slightly lessening of the Patriots in that year, and ultimately people will still remember them for their their infinite success. Well, right. It's the Howard Stern effect. You've got people tuning in to see the Patriots win, and then you've got a bunch more people tuning in to hopefully see them lose. So, you know, both both sides of the issue are covered. Um, you know, you're not going to – having a, a giant like that isn't going to lessen eyeballs. Uh, you know, you can go back to the Dallas Cowboys uh, and their dynasty, you know, late in the um, late in the 90s. So it's, it's you know, in the, in the Bills, it's uh, even though they lost for them, it's, it's not, um, you know, we're, we tune in to see them unseat, unseated. That's what we do. You know, the, the, the one thing we love is an underdog story. And then when that underdog becomes the giant, we love to see that giant fall. I mean, that's that's just how we're wired as as human beings. Uh, so. You know, I, I don't think it's bad for the game at all. One of the reasons, though, that I'm struggling to really get excited for the Super Bowl is I feel like in past Super Bowls against the Patriots, the city that was going against them was really invested in it, right? So Philadelphia, I mean, Eagles fans were really invested in it. Giants fans, the two times they beat the Patriots, really invested in it. You know, even Carolina that one year, they were invested in it. In Los Angeles, I'm talking to my friends who are out in L.A. who are running talk shows, and, and literally my buddy George Sedano has spent two hours on Anthony Davis trades, okay, you know, while the Rams are in the Super Bowl and people are on, on press row. Um, should we care make, – make me care about the Rams, Benjamin, like, because obviously L.A. does not. So, so what, is it, what is compelling about what they're doing right now, and how long can they sustain this? Well, L.A. is a, you know, it's a basketball town in the same way that St. Louis is a baseball town. So you're always going to have that. I mean, you know, you've got a Lakers team that's one game above 500. That's compelling radio right there. So I, I don't think that, you know, I, I think that that's the thing. I think there are people that care about the Rams. Uh, I, I just think L.A. is just such a different town. That it has so many things to do that you're not invested in your football team the way that a lot of these other cities are. You know, in Los Angeles, you can do anything you want in L.A., you know, um, on any given night. You know, there's there's something going on at, at you know, one thirty in the morning on a Tuesday if you want. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit different, different atmosphere, different attitude. And the Rams, you know, they haven't really – they put roots down, but they haven't really grown that, that you know, that franchise there back to the way it was when they used to be there. And in a couple of years, they will be. But uh, for now, it's, you know, it's it's kind of an amusing diversion. And if they win, oh, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, L.A., it's a fickle city. And, you know, if, if you're not the Lakers and you're not winning, you're not, you know, it's, it's tough to draw and get and get people invested in you. And yet, so sti- they- and yet, and yet stylistically and from a winning standpoint, the Rams have been everything you'd want as a football fan. So I guess my, my question would be, when you look at this team, I still kind of feel like I don't really trust it that much. When I was watching them in the Cowboys game, I never really felt like they were going to, you know, get on a roll offensively like we've seen them get against the Chiefs or, you know, like they have in the last two years. It does kind of feel like a team for me that isn't as strong in the playoffs and when they're just ripping teams apart in the regular season. Do you feel the same thing? And, and, and what do you make of them going into this game against an opponent that's obviously going to be ready for, you know, their limited personnel packaging, but all the window dress that they do you know Bill Belichick having two weeks to prepare for window dressing seems like he's gonna be able to figure that out what do you make of the the difference between them in the regular season versus the postseason and in general what they are as a team well teams had all season to figure out the window dressing the Rams did and not very many of them did so I you know I would suggest that that they're still going to be the Rams are still going to do what they do which is at its base they are an outside zone play action team um, they'll use uh, they'll use jet motion. They'll use some other things to kind of church all that up. But but in the end, that's that's what they are. They're you know powers power outside zone uh, and and play action team. And so I think that 
Um, I, I think they're going to continue to be that. Having C.J. Anderson come along the last couple of weeks has been a big boon for them. But, um, you know, I don't see them diverting from what it is that they do so well. I, I just think that their idea is to get you leaning one way, get you leaning another way, and then catch you on your heels, you know. And it's, that's, kinda, uh, that's kind of football. Uh, the question is, how do you do that, you know? And so each, each team has a different approach to that. And, I, you know, I, I still think that this is going to be a competitive football game. I don't, I don't think it's going to be much more than one score difference. Yeah, and that's where we're going to close with you here. And again, you can follow him uh, at Albright NFL. How do you see this thing going? I think twenty-eight, twenty-four is a, is a good score. Uh, it could go either way. Um, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of acquaintances with the Rams organization, so I'll kind of be pulling for them. But you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a lower scoring game than people think, uh, specifically in the first half. You'll probably see more scoring in the second half, and uh, and I, I think that. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be a game that's uh, that's close down to the end. You'll see a team trying to, you know, trying to make a, a last minute push and, and fall short. And I think it's going to be compelling and exciting football for everybody. So you think Jared Goff is up to this? Because that's always the question is, is the quarterback on the other side of Brady, whether it was a Delhomme or an Eli Manning or a Foles or, you know, right down the line of Matt Ryan, was he going to be up to the moment? You, you think, has he shown enough to you in the postseason? You think he'll be up for this? Well, he hasn't let him down yet. I think that's kind of the key. You know, I think he's got a strong running game behind him. They've got confidence in that. They've got a strong offensive line. They've got confidence in that. And, you know, I think what they'll do is they'll, they'll run the ball till you bite that and then they'll build off of that with play action. And that's how they try to beat you. All right. So follow him at Albright NFL. Ben, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing our Patriot disdain because that's always appreciated down here in Miami. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.